The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. Is far from over. You will not make that stand alone we have something the enemy does not we have heroes halo new season now streaming exclusively on paramount plus new cbs monday ncis is back we need all hands on deck so grab your gear ncis and join our elite team what are the charges new cases to be solved double tap to the chest same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And welcome to another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. It is uh, it is a disappointing happy hour for for many. Uh, if you're an Ohio State fan, for sure. I put uh, in our tweet that uh, that went out advertising this happy question mark hour. Um, but I think we need to uh, to talk this through. Maybe try and and console some people. Um, the one thing I want to do is. You know, there's there's a lot of emotions that go along with this game, right? And plenty of people have already, uh, you know, voiced frustrations um, that may or may not be fair. Uh, what I want to do is try and talk about this game as rationally as possible. That's part of the reason I waited a few days before we kind of got back after this discussing. What happened on Saturday? Uh, you know the result. Ohio State loses in Ann Arbor, thirty to twenty-four, to the hated Wolverines. Um, no beer today. Got stuff going on, including the basketball game later. Do have some water though, so I'll be drinking that. But let's get into it. We want to evaluate this game. We want to try and do it as rationally as possible. Um, and to do that, we're going to bring in our guy. Tim Hall, live from his home studio. This is a, a rarity, Timmy. Well, you you got me before lunchtime for once. So you enjoy your water. See, I had 
I had two beer choices, but I see the color shirt that I'm already wearing, and I don't know if I can go with this brew, so I'm not going to crack it. I had something called a Golden Ox. It's a Northern okay. Virginia brew, very solid. Ashburn, Virginia, that's also the home of the Washington Commanders. That's where they practice out of. So uh, shout out Jim Lachey. I think they were back there also when they were the Redskins still. So uh, maybe Lachey knows a little bit about that brewery. But I think I'm just going to go cheap. So yeah. we're just going to tap the Rockies. You know, shout out Coach Prime. I'm sure he's done the brewery tour. I mean, you can't be the coach of Colorado and not make the trek out to Golden, do the wonderful brewery tour, Coors Brewing Company. Great tap room there. I've been myself. Been many, many years, but it's it's solid. So there you go. Yeah, I was out there this summer. Cheers. It's pretty cool out there in, in Golden and, and the brewery. Uh, yeah, this isn't a celebration. So I think Coors Light is uh, not that you can't celebrate with Coors Light. I've had many of Coors Light in good mm. times, but let's. Uh, I, don't, I don't taste the tears in that no. beer. Oh, good, good. Mm. Um, good. All right. Let me ask you this just off the top. When you think back, you've had a few days to process it. What was the most disappointing thing for you from this game from an Ohio State perspective? I don't think there was any one most disappointing thing. Okay. It, it's, it's a few things. It's the fact that. Ryan Day got out coached by an interim coach. It's the fact that they couldn't run the football as well as Michigan. It's the fact that they couldn't stop the run when it came down to it. It's the fact that you continue to prove that you are a program that is good enough to get the respect and recognition of everybody going into a season to be picked very highly, to be ranked in the top two, three, or four all season long. And you also continue to prove that you don't have that it factor, that last shred of whatever it takes, do what's necessary, make the right coaching decisions, have that combination of want to and talent, put it all together, mix it around and spit it out and produce a champion. It, it just continues to be not enough, Pat. I mean, I've been... I've been banging the drum on this even before they started losing to Michigan. And now they're losing to Michigan. I mean, you go back to 2014, right? It's hard to, it's hard to be super critical of Urban Meyer. And I'm, I'm hearing that now too, believe it or not. Like in all of the aftermath, you get all the, you know, Ryan Day backers. And one of, this, one of these themes I'm hearing is that Urban, most of the time he beat Michigan, it was because Michigan wasn't any good. Uh, well, for one, that game's always tough. Throw the records out. And I do believe Irvin beat him, Irvin beat him twice when they were top five. So that's pretty good. But even after that title win, I was clamoring for Ohio State to still do more because you're still living right up at the top of a, of a college football frame that is built – so that five to 10 programs have a huge advantage over everybody else. And Ohio state is one of them. And therefore I always felt you owed your fan base yourselves, everybody more championships. You know, if Alabama can win seven, why was Ohio state just winning one? I was always thinking that way. They kept getting back to the playoff, but kept losing since 2014. It was time to do more. And then they start, not only are they not doing more, they're backsliding and losing to Michigan every year. So they can't even get to the Big Ten Championship, can't even 
You know, last year they did luck out and got to the playoff, but they lost. Played well, but lost in the end. It just it keeps coming back to that, Pat. I know that's a long answer, but it's just not enough. It just continues to be just not enough. Sorry, my mic was muted because I had to type something. Uh-huh. I, so I didn't want to say it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I hate the clicking sound. You hear it in podcasts sometimes, uh-huh. especially when you do it. So I did it and forgot to unmute myself. I pulled a Bill Rabinowitz on Ohio State uh, Ohio God. State press conference. I, Zooms. I thought I was old, Patrick. Yeah, yeah, you are. But Welcome, uh, I, Welcome to your 30s. <laughs> I'm going to push back a little bit on something you said there and that Ryan Day got out coached in this game. You I think, think he did. He, I don't think he got out coached. I think he got out because I think if there are specific plays and I'm going to touch on those and everyone knows what I'm going to talk about where he made the wrong decisions in retrospect. Um, but I think that in terms of the overall way he called the game, you gave yourself a chance to win the game as an underdog on the road at the end. Um, so I think you can't say that he completely got out coached. Now, if you want to talk about the fact that it's against a guy who's, you know, not even actually a head coach, um, I think it would be one thing if the game plan were put in by Sharon Moore, but Jim Harbaugh was around all week. Now where Sharon Moore did get day was in those decisions to go for it on fourth down. And look, I think his decisions were made a little bit easier because they were both in plus territory. Michigan was driving short yardage. They've been good at that all season. Um, But that doesn't excuse what Ryan Day did. I would say the the fourth and whatever it was where he decided to punt. One, fourth and one. Yeah, that one, I can understand the justification a little bit because – you think your punter can pin deep, pin you deep. I assume that was the plan. And then you go and, you know, you pin, if you pin Michigan deep, you probably get the ball back in good field position. Ohio State's played that way all season. They did it against Penn State. They did it against Notre Dame. That call did not surprise me. Um, would you like Ryan Day to be more aggressive in that situation? Sure. No doubt. Uh, especially in a game like this, because the more aggressive coach tends to win that game. The one that just blows my mind and the justification Ryan Day had after the game that did not make any sense, even though he's asked about it four times in the postgame press conference, was the field goal at the end of the half where, you know, I don't need to explain this to everyone listening. I'm sure they they all are aware. You are obviously aware, Timmy. A career-long 52-yard field goal for a kid in the biggest game of his life. Yeah. Even if he had made a 52-yard field goal during the season or a 55 I still think you need to get you need to be aggressive there and go for the end zone. Get yourself a chance. Look, if you have to if you end up not getting it on fourth and two there, so be it. You went out swinging and I think your players go into the locker room feeling a lot better about that than being pulled the offensive players that is than being pulled off the field for a kicker who hasn't proven he can make that. Um I think there were other decisions in the game where where Ryan Day was you know, not as aggressive as you would like in those situations. Um, My big question about Ryan Day is, does he get this rivalry? 
And two years ago, driving home from Ann Arbor, I wrote a story about how the feeling around the program in the week leading up to that game didn't feel like it did under Trestle or Urban. And I'm going to use silly examples here. And I know some people won't, won't, won't find this, but you used to walk in the facility the Monday or Tuesday when we did interviews that week. They only do one day of interviews. And you could hear this Time for War song by LL Cool J blasting throughout the facility. They played it all week, the entire time they were there. I mentioned they haven't done that since Urban left, I don't believe. Maybe the first year in 2019. Um, this is a silly thing, but Urban Meyer was a psych major, and probably the best thing he does is he knew how to get in players' heads. And that was something that, and I've talked to guys about this, guys who didn't necessarily understand the rivalry before, they come to Ohio State, they know it's a big rivalry, but you know, so is Auburn, Alabama, so are all these other things. They come in, they hate that song because it's blasted so much during Michigan week on repeat <laughs> yeah. that they associated it with Michigan and therefore began to hate Michigan before they even stepped on, you know, these are you know freshman guys before they even step on the field, you've already created that in their heads. This is just a little thing that Ryan day took away. And I'm sure there are other things that Ryan has done, you know, and I'm not saying that they don't emphasize the rivalry, but it, it just has felt different. And I thought that even before they lost in 2021. And then it really hit me afterwards of like, is this being handled in the way it needed to? And at that point, Michigan hadn't handled it the right way either. And now that's flipped a script and Jim Harbaugh is talking about saying all the right things. So, you know, what, what do you make of that with Ryan Day? Because obviously his record speaks for itself other than this. It game. does. Yeah. And you make, you make a lot of great points there, Pat. And and again, like quick, quick counterpoint back to what we're talking about coaching him against Sharon Moore. I think it simply does just come down to the fact that, I mean, look, that was Ryan Day at one point in time, and he did very well also when he was the interim coach for Ohio sure. State and won a big game against TCU. So he got that there, and now Sharon gets one on him in a much, much, much bigger scenario. And all it took was those couple plays you laid out. And again, like, yeah, they had the ball. They had the chance to win it at the end. But the fact that we could even – bring up a couple areas where he wasn't aggressive when he even went, I think he went to the TV halftime interview speaking about being aggressive seconds after they weren't aggressive and wound the clock down to settle for a field goal that that kicker had never made in his life and say what you want to say, but he made the practice one. He didn't make the one when it counted. So the points didn't go up on the scoreboard. That was it. So again, it wasn't like a glaring out coaching display, but it was nonetheless because I didn't think of anything that Sharon Moore did where I said, Mm, kind of scratching my head. He was he was in the Buckeyes bag. He hit him with a halfback pass. We never see Ohio State get, you know, overly creative in one of these big games or save something that way. We've seen him, we've seen him do a lot of dumb things with fake punts and miscommunications or screwed up punts slash fake punts, but nothing, nothing that we've really gone like, oh, like, yeah, like way to way to hit him. Like that, that came out of nowhere. That worked. Like the old uh Chris Olave. Uh, onside kick recovery, even though that wasn't that was just against Maryland in a blowout, so it doesn't stick out as much. But to what you said about the rivalry, clearly something is being missed. It clearly it is, and the only thing that we seem to be able to do now after the losing is to try to excuse it away about how it's not that bad. You know, look at 
what the expectations were for this team. I think I saw one in the comments there about how they were supposed to be a two or three loss team. They were, they lost by one possession in Michigan. It's getting better in the losing to Michigan. You know, they didn't get blown out the last two times. But it has been pointed out that even C.J. Stroud, God love him, tr- I wouldn't say he was trying to minimize it, but that's the thing. It's I, I understand sooner or later you're going to speak about it being a football game, but it's the optics of it. It's just knowing what you can say about the game and the week buildup and afterwards after you lose and what you can say that's going to get twisted and blown out a little bit. I don't think that Kyle McCord thinks it's just a game. I don't think that CJ Stroud thinks that it's just a game. So why put words into groups that make it sound like that? You know, that's what they were doing to themselves. You need to be animated, fired up, whatever, after losing this game. You need to act like it means the world to you. Because I don't want to hear any more people that love football or that love this rivalry try to minimize it after it's done. We spend months and months and months, maybe the whole year, print, radio, TV. It's blown up. It's talked about. Everybody in this market does it. And then some after it's done will try to say, well, it is just a football game, and we'll have to keep it in perspective. It It is not just a football game. It's as ingrained into our culture here as Ohioans as anything as anything, and maybe and Ryan Day, you think he would? You think he would get on anywhere and say he doesn't put that game on the highest of high pedestals? No, he would never say that. So it's that's what's so problematic. You have to keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper beneath the surface to find out why. What are the little things missing that can't get it done? Is it is it that he just can't? coach the right way in that game that he bottles up a little bit too much of that pressure because you want to win so bad that you're sort of getting in your own head it's a combination of caring about the rivalry more than anything else in the buildup and the aftermath and then being good on game day you know it's it's you've got to find the sweet spot to hone those two things together because sure like it does for those 60 minutes it becomes the biggest football game of your life. And to win the biggest football game of your life, you have to play really good football and you can't have those slip ups and those mistakes. And they've been doing that these last three years. And so it, I, I do think it's a little bit bigger of a problem than just not keeping the the magnitude and the esteem of the rivalry in the highest regard. Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at how Ryan day is coached in this game, he was, pretty aggressive in 2019. That was kind of his MO um, was to be aggressive. I think losing has affected him and he knows he can't lose the game. Right. And so instead of Ohio state should have gone into Ann Arbor as an underdog, you know, even though you're the number two team in the country, you were the underdog by the odds. Um, A lot of people were picking Michigan on a, a national scale. They should have gone in there and played pretty free. I think it shouldn't have been tight on his thing, his side of things. I think the lack, look, you weren't, this wasn't you playing Michigan when Michigan had four win, four, four wins in a season where you can just go out and run over this team. You know, I know that you don't want to come out and run a bunch of trick plays. Like that's not Ohio state's MO, but you can do the things that Michigan did in this game. The, the one running back pass have something different. You know, I know Devin Brown was banged up, but 
Michigan went to their backup quarterback to to ignite the run a little and it bit, worked. and it worked. It yeah, worked it worked on one play. It, it didn't work the second play. Ohio State adjusted quickly. I think it was like a 20-yard run and then for, for one or two yards. But, but that's a big play in this game. Yes, and you – the fact, and I kept saying this to the guys I was sitting next to in the press box, was, you know, when are they going to pull something out that they didn't do? And the biggest thing they did was Travion Henderson motioning out of the backfield, Xavier Johnson motioning into the backfield. And it was actually a decent gain, I think, if I remember correctly. But, like, that's what you had saved for the Michigan game, the biggest game of the year. Um, you know, at least last year they tried the fake punt. Like, you know, you had something. That's kind of what I thought when they lined up to punt on fourth and on fourth and one there was, who are they going to do it again? Like, is this going to be the special teams redemption moment? And they don't do that. And then the punt, Jesse Mirko, and I don't know if he was instructed to do this or not. He's not punting it with all of his leg to try and pin them at the one he, and there was some wind, but Michigan had to face the same wind. He's punting it to land and bounce and roll, which is a good strategy if it lands and rolls, but it wasn't doing it. And I'm, I'm not a punting expert, but it. Yeah. It, if it you're punting into the wind, isn't it less likely that that's going to happen? Yeah. Those, yeah. the punts were unacceptable. I, and I heard some people saying into the wind too, but. And, and it was, I don't windy. care. I will. I don't care. You're, I you're, you're at about midfield. I don't care about the wind. If you can't get that thing inside the 20. No, they, they weren't gale force winds. All right. Yeah. It wasn't something that we actually were looking at and saying, wow, like it wasn't like the Northwestern game a year ago where we're saying this is really affecting the gameplay and you can't throw it's going into the wind. You may as well just, you know, not turn the ball over and and get a decent punt off. We weren't saying that you can't be putting it at the 22 yard line when you punt from the 46. No. What is your take on Kyle McCord coming out of this game and has it changed? I, uh, it it locked up my feelings. Is that fair to say? Like it 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 solidified my feelings. The feelings were still open going into that game, and I think that's fair. When you're on a two game losing streak, everything we just talked about, right? If if I'm gonna sit here and say it, and I'm gonna say everybody else should be on the same page when it comes to this game, especially when you continue to pump out, you know, ten and one or eleven and zero seasons, and this game is a mega stepping stone type of game to get to the rest of your goals then I have to look greatly at what's accomplished in this game and what that can do for legacy, even for a quarterback who's been good, not great. You're good, not great. And then you go out there and you make some of these winning plays, you know, and you you help lead Ohio State to, to victory, get into the Big Ten championship, then I would have I would have been open to Kyle. I think the fact that you lose makes it a completely open job. I'm not saying that he's gone definitely. But I think what I am saying is I'd be shocked if it wasn't a complete open competition at quarterback. I'd be shocked if there was any kind of announcement of 100% Kyle's our guy for 2024. If I had my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised to hear hear those statements. So I don't know if it's going to be looking at the portal, if a true freshman can actually be their guy to come in and win the job. But this this was big. It was, you know, the mistake early in the football game that is so costly. I don't want to get too much into the final interception when he's got pressure right in his face. There were some other things that you know, maybe the smartest quarterback alive doesn't throw that ball and take that interception because there is still 34 seconds left. 
You could have dirted it maybe at Travion or Cade. Taking an incompletion there, throwing it in the vicinity of one of your checkdowns would have been the best option there than lofting it up in zone. But again, I get it on the last one. The first interception is inexcusable. It can't happen. No way, no shape or form early in a football game when you're trying to start fast. You have to read the field better than that. There's no need to throw that ball. His eyes were just locked there. He does that from time to time. And and look, facts are facts. You just look at how Kyle has produced. It's been it's been way less. It's been way less than his predecessors who have had that position. And there's just a standard now to be the quarterback at Ohio State where they're gonna they're gonna look for the best. And they should look for the best. They should do right by themselves and all of the other players on that offense. I don't know about you, Pat, but is, is that fair? Is that how you're feeling? So I've said all season, and I think I've said it to you, that I think Kyle is the normal first-year starting quarterback. And C.J., Dwayne, and Justin have set a bar that at some point was unattainable. Some guy was going to be the starter and not oh, yeah. be able to be a Heisman Trophy finalist. Yeah, that's that's true. I think I understand the anger, the frustration to, towards Kyle coming out of a game like that when he didn't have it'd be one thing if he'd put up CJ Stroud numbers all year and then lays a dud in the Michigan game. Um, But for me, Kyle kind of is what he is this season. And you were going to have to survive that because you made the decision to go with him. Devin Brown gets hurt, all that stuff. Uh, I still think that there is an opportunity for Kyle to go and bust his ass this off season and put in the work needed to be done to be a much improved quarterback. And if you go and you look, and I'm going to write this when I have time to kind of sit down and look at all the numbers, but if you look at a lot of guys after their first year, a lot of guys that were really good this season or have been really good in the past, there's always room for improvement. Um, With that said, I agree with you 100%. This cannot be a, you know, okay, well, we're going in the offseason. Kyle's our guy. You know, he didn't earn that. Uh, this season and he will have to he will have to put in the work and Ryan Day will have to make the assessment of can Kyle be the guy to live up to the standard at Ohio State you know does he have it in him what is his ceiling what the Buckeyes need it to be Um, I still I still have seen enough from Kyle to think there are throws where I'm just like, wow, that's a, that's an impressive throw. But the interception is is just the latest example of not reading the defense correctly, not uh, you know making the right decision in a tough moment. You know, I, I I go back to the Notre Dame game. That last drive is going to be remembered as this great drive for McCord. He could have thrown an interception on like the third or fourth play of that drive that just didn't get caught. And it was very similar, actually, to the interception he threw yeah. at the end of this game. Uh-huh. Got lucky. And, Got lucky, too. To, yeah. And, and look, look, you got to get lucky in, in exactly. football games sometimes, right? But I, you said it there, Pat. It's it's consistency. Mm-hmm. Everybody that's going to win the starting job at Ohio State, everybody is going to be able to go out there and razzle and dazzle a bit and make some NFL throws. But it's being a great quarterback is not about making a, a couple of NFL throws. It's about how many times can you do it. I say it all the time. It's about the guys that can stack plays and then not make the mistakes. That's what makes a great quarterback. And that's what he didn't show enough this year because there was just too much inconsistent play. Yeah. Like he wound up, 
you know, putting out some numbers out there at some 300 yard passing days and would, you know, you know, eventually get it up around, you know, 280, 300 yards, but completion percentage was a little lower than what you would like. I mean, shoot, just look at what, look at the guy that we went up against. And I talked a little bit of talk questioning, you know, how high level of a player is JJ McCarthy, but I had to eat my words after that performance. Cause you watch how he plays in that game. Basically every time his team needed him to make a play, he made it. And he just, he made it in a special kind of way. He had three or four highlight reel throws and didn't even, didn't come close to making a mistake from, well, from what I, think, I can remember. I think, I mean, there were a couple plays. Look, if that inter- that touchdown to Roman Wilson is reviewed. But that's not a JJ thing. That's his no, receiver did, holding on the ball. But he did put it in between two. I mean, if Malik Hartford with, isn't a true freshman. with his, He put it through two guys who had their backs turned. And do we yeah. give him credit that that's a heady play by the quarterback to get it out and noticing that? I mean, I don't know how far you want to go. but He took a way. risk and it worked. He did it again when he scrambled to his right and threw back across his body the play that you're always taught not to do that Patrick Mahomes is. See, I, I thought it, that was a great play. It I, was. It, but if it doesn't work, if that's yeah. picked off and it's going the other way for six. Right. But when, when, you watch details. That, when you watch that playback, it didn't really look that close. I, I don't remember no, that no, 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 steal no. there. It, he wasn't really that close to getting a deflection on it. He kind of just pivoted, stopped, put it high in a way. Like, they, like you say it, you know, when we're making an entry pass in basketball, right? Put it yeah. to where your guy can catch the basketball and nobody else. It looked like he had a little bit of that, but either way, yeah. either way. I mean, I it's thought just, he, he smoked Kyle in that football game head to head. Yeah, he took risks. And that's something Kyle hasn't done really all season, except for games when he's had to. Um, and I think the, these two are going to be compared probably throughout their entire career. It's like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. They were two kids recruited – at the same time, both highly recruited. This just so happens to be Ohio State picked one over the other. Um, I do think it's a little unfair to say that, you know, Ohio State picked the wrong guy. Remember, this is JJ's second year starting, second time starting in this game. Now, I know last year his stats looked pretty good because of some wide open throws he made. Um, and I'm not here to defend Kyle McCord. I think, I think the hate has just gone a little too far. He is not where he needs to be. I want to make this very clear. And Ohio State has to be open. Ryan Day has to be open to competition this offseason. And it has to be handled better than last offseason because they need a guy. They need, And I don't just mean a guy. They need the yeah. guy they need going into next season. Yeah. And look, next season, and we don't need to get too far ahead of ourselves with this, your schedule's pretty easy. You're basically going to play two games the whole year, and you're going to have plenty of time to ramp up to those. Um, and this game, Michigan won't be as good, at least on paper, going into the game and, and all that. And the playoff is going to change things. Um, but you need to feel like you have the guy. And if that's Devin Brown and you think, OK, after another year, he's ready to take it. If you feel Kyle McCord develops enough and reads the game better, then so be it. If you think Lincoln Keenholz is that good and you're ready to give him a shot or if Aaron Nolan comes in and blows you away, the one thing I don't think Ohio State is going to do is go to the transfer portal for a quarterback. Maybe I'm wrong, but this just doesn't seem like Ryan Day's MO unless a Justin Fields level player enters the portal and you're like, that's the guy we can't miss on. And we're willing to risk the depth of our quarterback room. Um, look, they recruited all four of these guys that are going to be in there. I think they believe in all four of these guys. So Ryan Day, Corey Dennis, it's up to you to not only – 
you, you have to develop that guy this off season and you have to make sure you get this decision, right. Um, be mm-hmm. that, you know, it's, it's not often you see a guy, especially at Ohio state that starts a year and doesn't come back the next year and isn't the starter, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. And, you know, I'm not pushing for Kyle. I'm pushing for Kyle to improve and do the things he needs to do this off season to become the quarterback Ohio state needs. But you know, if, if you don't think he can do that, I'm not in the building every day, right? Ryan Day is, and he's the quarterback expert. Um, you have to get get the right get the right decision made. And look, I don't want it to go into the season again next year. This I, I want your quarterback to be decided at the very least in fall camp. Give it some time to to be the guy and and whatnot. Um, anyway, I think we've hit yeah, on yeah, and and you know it, it it might not be like if. If Air Noland is this stud, it's tough to sort of come in and spring ball, name a true freshman quarterback. You're no, it doesn't need to be spring. I just <laughs> yeah, don't want yeah. to go into next season with this, like, make make a choice. You, I, I don't think Ryan Day did anybody – now, you know, worked out, I guess. But I don't think Ryan Day did any service by continuing to claim that there was no full-time starter when Kyle was clearly the guy. Yeah, going into the second playing. or third week of the season. Yeah, yeah. That, that just – I don't think that helped the situation at all um, for, for them. I know you, you've got to go here soon, so I want to ask you the defense. Um, and I'm going to get into more of this when you get off, but uh, I just want your thoughts because this defense, we talked about it all season. I think we both were believers – I think if you look at the numbers, you actually probably are okay with what you gave up. It's just kind mm-hmm. of how it happened, especially in that second half. So I think Jim Knowles has another long offseason ahead of him unless the Buckeyes somehow get in the playoff and win a national title. And even then, I think you still need to evaluate things for this game. But uh, the numbers for Jim Knowles' defense in the second half against Michigan, not good. Two years now. Thoughts? Bad. It's it's alarming. It- you said it. Not good. I'll, I'll reiterate that. I don't care what your numbers are when you're playing the lowly Big Ten East Reds, when you're playing the Indianas and the Marylands and the Rutgers. And I know some you know Rutgers and Maryland weren't that bad this year, but come come on. Come on. We, we know what we're doing. We, we know what's going on here. This the, the reason why there, there's a large amount of you out there that don't want the 12-team college football playoff is because you like how exclusive this sport is and how it's sort of a – you like the lose one and you're out type of deal. And, and the fact that the regular season and the big games in the regular season are, in fact, the playoff games. So it's really – it's a season for a team as good as Ohio State. It came down to three games this year. That's what it was. It was the Notre Dame game. It was the Penn State game. It was the Michigan game. Yeah. It's three football games. They had enough. They did enough defensively to win those first two. And when it came to the biggest one at the end, when you're 11-0 and and you got all the pressure in the world on you, and the offense, surprisingly, were criticizing Kyle McCord and that and that the way he played and his inconsistencies. It was the offense that had a stellar ground-and-pound drive that chewed some clock. And Kyle was able to do some things through the air and score a second touchdown. He he twice scored. He got the equalizer there. Then they did it again to what, – what did the second touchdown? Cut it to three or did that one also tie it at 24? I can't remember. Because they tied it at 17. 
And then what was really deflating is when the defense gave it up right away, right away after they tied that game after the early pick and it, and part never felt like they were going to tie it. And then when they did, you're thinking, Oh, thank God. Like my heart can stop pounding now. But then right after that, the defense gave it up and it was 24, 17. They scored again. The Buckeyes did. And then the defense gave up another long killer drive that didn't end with a touchdown. Right. But it chewed seven minutes off the clock and Michigan scored on every possession of the second half. So yeah, Ben don't break is good. Sometimes not giving up a touchdown and giving up only three is okay, but not then, not that day, not in that second half. And it was just like you said, how every time Michigan ran the ball, it was just chunk play, four yards, five yards, six yards, you know, four on first down, five on first down, just not getting ahead of schedule as a defense to get them off the field. I don't want a field goal there. You needed a, you needed a punt. You needed a turnover or a punt. It was time. And just throughout the year now, like things keep coming back up where yes, the numbers were good scoring defense, total defense, pass defense, but they still just to my eye didn't generate enough pressure. Uh, JT to him. was better. Jack Sawyer was better. They didn't generate enough pressure as a defensive line harassing the quarterback. They didn't turn people over enough. And that's what was advertised for Jim Knowles. And I know he said how you adjust because winning is the best thing. Winning is the best thing. I'd have been fine with it if they won, but they didn't. So you got to go back and analyze everything that you're doing. Yeah, no, you hit on the two things that I've been really looking into since that game is – if you're going to play a, a bend but don't break, you know, you, I, I, I've used this term before, you put a shell on the back end of the defense. Yeah. You don't allow big plays. It's become very popular in the NFL. You know, teams have done it to frustrate Patrick Mahomes and things like that when they had Tyreek Hill. Um, if you're going to play that way, you have to be able to get pressure with four more than – I mean, you can blitz sometimes, but you have to be able to get pressure with four. Ohio State did not do that well this year. And you have to force some turnovers. You have to, if you're going to sit back and let teams move the ball methodically, you've got to end some drives by turning the ball over. And Ohio State did that a little bit this year, but not enough. And that's where in the big games, I think they were let down. Um, you know, obviously they won against Penn State, won against Notre Dame, but you still didn't really have those two things in either of those games. And I think you were bailed out a little bit by an offense in both cases that probably wasn't as good as the team's overall ranking. Um, I still think Jim Knowles is a very good defensive mind. The fact that he was able to recognize what didn't go wrong last year and adjust is a positive, but he's got another off season of adjusting. Uh, I don't, you know, unless Duke comes calling for him to be head coach, I don't think he's going anywhere. So you're going to have to continue. I think you need a balance, right? You need to be able to be aggressive in big moments without giving up the big play. Unless you can just manufacture, you know, the the pressure you want with a with a crazy talented offense or defensive line. And look, I'm looking at what Ohio State's probably going to have back next season. I like Kenyatta Jackson, I like Caden Curry. Neither of them have shown me that they're elite pass rushers thus far. Um, otherwise I think they would have been on the field. You know, we'll see what the interior guys decide to do, but you, you're, you're going to have to make some changes to get more pressure in, in a game in this game, because right now this is what's holding you back 
It's this game on both sides of the ball. Um, and look, the other thing I'd say is I think in big games, and we I talked about this a lot before the Georgia game last year, you have to score. Uh, you know, that's just the way college football, football in general, the rules and everything. You, yeah, you want to get as many stops as you can, but you have to score more. And that goes back to our other topic about, you know, Kyle McCord and, and the offensive line, which we probably haven't hit on enough. Um, yeah. So anything else you think needs to be mentioned before I, I let you go here on this game? Because I've already taken more of your time than I said I was going to. Anything else? You know, I'm searching for something when a guy says anything else and <laughs> and repeats it. I can't think of anything right now. It's the way this goes, Patrick, is things will just pop into your head, right? Yeah. I think one thing that I was thinking about was uh, Joshua Perry's clip kind of kind of got me. And not not what he said, because I agreed with both things that he said, but I think some of the the pushback on what he said by some, uh, which, again, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand what's happening to some maybe in our Buckeye fan base now that we've lost this game, how we want to maybe flip it around. I just think – I think I saw someone say it. Uh, we should feel like we're in hell right now, like absolute hell. This – this was one of the most incredible missed opportunities in Ohio State football history. There's my big thing to say, if I have to end it with something. Yeah. One of the biggest missed opportunities in Ohio State football history. I I just, I'm gutted by this. Gutted as a, as a fan, as a host, too, with sort of what this does going into the future for the next year. The fact that you had Michigan on the ropes with a scandal – and you had a lot to possibly say about the last two years, but it just feels hollow to me to try to fall back on that now after you went up there and you had a game and you lost to Sharon Moore. Sorry, I just I think it's weak if you're a Buckeye fan and you're still going to try to fall back on that now. Like the NCAA is going to do what they do about the last two years, and I'm against any kind of cheating. We could argue how big of a deal it was, but they clearly did a lot of sh- stuff. They they did a lot of stuff, right? Even though this is a podcast, who cares, right? And I, I just don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it after the fact. They'll get punished. It'll happen. But it it does not feel better at all. Having lost a third time, you had a chance to really, really set them back and push some embarrassment on their side. And now you kind of walk away wondering all these things like we talked about in the, the first part of the pod. But you know, a guy like Joshua said it. I don't want to hear anybody else trying to say that this is just a game. Uh, I don't want a coach not to I don't want to see a coach coach not to lose next time you go into this. It's going to be a long year, Pat. It's going to be a long year. I don't think I can predict the Buckeyes to win this game again until they do it. That's yeah. I'm not I'm not going to put myself out there and be one of these guys. And we've already been called like Homer radio by some of the folks up north. Uh, No more predicting the Buckeyes to win this game until they prove they can do it. Unless, of course, they're like a three touchdown favorite and Michigan's a four loss team next year. But I I can't foresee that. It's it's time to prove it. It's time. I feel like I'm talking about the Browns. Prove to me you can go to the playoffs before I'll actually predict that you can do it. (laughs) So 
that's yeah. that's kind of where where it goes back to for me. And and I kind of had that thought going into this game. Uh, you know, I was very much on the fence. I ended up picking the Buckeyes, uh, but yeah, very much on the fence about it. And I, I agree with you. Until they win, you know, the, the script has fully flipped now. And yeah. you know, I think this game was more reflective of how the last couple of years should have gone. It was a competitive game. You lost on the road, um, all that, but you still had the chance to win, you know, multiple chances. You know, I, I don't think there's any one play. I wrote this last night. There's not one play in a football game that, that changes everything. And, you know, regardless of anything else that happened, you had a chance at the end of the game to win and, and you couldn't get it done. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Feels, feels like the turnover was it though, in a game that was going to be this tight. And the way that that turnover was the first turnover, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because you need to get that back. Then if you have, it's not, it's not game over. That'd be silly. Right. Cause it was early in the football game, but when it was all said and done, Michigan never turned the ball over. That one did wind up being a killer. It was huge. You talk just math and sways in the game. You handed them a free touchdown. You can't, you lost by six, but you handed them a free touchdown early in the game. And that was Kyle's fault, and uh, I'm sure he feels horrible about it. But that's that's the way it goes, and that's what you got to live with now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to have to remember that play and hear about that play. You know, if he goes on to play in the NFL, he's going to have Michigan guys in his locker room, and he's going to hear about that play the rest of his life, regardless of what he does. NFL, huh? If we'll, I said if, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, Buckeye basketball. You going to cover the game tonight? I'll be there. All right, let's With let's, bells hold, on. let's hold the phone. Let's see if these guys can build on what they've done. Let's it's November. Talk to me in that. January, Tim. I, I know. I, we'll talk about them when they're five games above 500 in Big Ten play. All right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim. Thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, good luck with the rest of the day. I will see you this evening over at the shop. All right, give me a, give me a basket of chicken fingers, please. <laughs> All right. Talk to you I'll later. All right. Thanks to Timmy Hall for jumping on. Uh, I texted him earlier in the week and said, you know, is there a time that you can do where we can uh, we can chat longer? Usually he's got about half an hour, 30 minutes. We went about 45 with Tim and uh, I didn't want to just sit here and talk at you guys. I wanted the uh, I wanted some back and forth. And and look, Tim and I, I think, do do some good banter, uh, have some different perspective on things and, and whatnot. There are a couple questions, uh, a couple comments I saw through in the in the comment section. I want to get to. Uh, if you haven't read it already, if you're a Bucknuts subscriber, we are. I did a story last night. My upon further review after rewatching the game back, not just because I'm I wrote it, but I recommend going back and looking at that. I think I pointed out some things that maybe haven't been talked about completely. Um, so there's there's that. I'm going to give myself some some pub there, but. We're gonna. I'm gonna touch on some of these questions and and we'll wrap it up. Um, I may do another. You know, if we if we have more to talk about throughout the week with this game, um, we'll certainly do something after we learn where the Buckeyes are headed in the bowl season. Um, and I'll lay out that that scenario here in a minute. But um, Jonathan Dickens asked, "Why not bring back Urban Meyer?" Um, I don't think Urban has any interest in coaching right now. Um, you know, I, I don't think, first of all, I don't think you're getting rid of Ryan day. 
you have a athletic director who is on his way out and I don't think he's making any coaching changes unless he has to. And by has to, I mean, you know, scandal or, or something along those lines. Um, so I don't think Ryan days go anywhere. I don't think urban, I think urban's situation is, is pretty good. Um, so I don't envision him ending up anywhere right now. Uh, just kind of seeing him enjoying life on Fox. Um, Jim drums for life brought up another name, Tom Herman. I don't know if you mean Tom Herman as head coach or Tom Herman as, you know, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach again. First of all, I don't think Tom Herman would have much of an interest in the job unless it was to be the head coach. I'm not sure Buckeye fans would get much more out of the, out of the Tom Herman experiment than they have. You know, he's not a guy who grew up in Ohio. So how would he handle the rivalry? You don't know. Um, yes, he coached under Urban, but so did Ryan. You look at his track record at Texas, not great. Um, I don't think anybody is, uh, I don't think anybody's interested in, I don't think he is interested, excuse me, in coming and working under Ryan Day right now. And I'm not sure Ryan Day wants that, though I don't, I do think having another coordinator in there like a Jim Knowles, or excuse me, like a Kevin Wilson would not be the worst idea in the world uh, to kind of have somebody to lean on in those big moments, maybe pass on the play calling if you're not comfortable with giving that to Brian Hartline because there is a lot on Ryan Day's plate. Uh, Mello, number seven. People want to get mad at Marvin Harrison Jr. on the slant route, but Kyle McCord should have never thrown that. That was a loser throw before the snap. Uh, so here's – and this is something I wrote about in that story I mentioned earlier. Kyle, that I believe from looking at what, looking back at it, I believe it was a, a read pass option, RPO, um, where Kyle was reading the linebacker and decided to keep the ball, not give it to Travion, and instead – throw to Marvin because if you look at the the right hand side from Kyle's perspective of the play everyone else is blocking for Travion's running so the only throw there is to Marvin um now Kyle clearly didn't go from reading the linebacker to looking at what Will Johnson was doing Will Johnson was on the inside already of Harrison who was running a slant route and you know in that situation either Kyle should chuck it at the feet of both guys and make sure no one has a chance to catch it. He can't throw it out of bounds because he's in the pocket unless he scrambles um, or take a sack. He can't throw the ball there, obviously, in, in the place that he did. You're absolutely right. Uh, it was a terrible, terrible read for McCord. Um, and as Tim said, it, it put you in a really bad spot. But I just wanted to kind of break down how I think that play played out. Uh, Hugh Jess, McCord quit developing. He doesn't just doesn't have it. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I think if you look at McCord from week one to week five, there was development and there was continued development throughout the season. Some throws he made were very impressive. It just wasn't uh, as much as Ohio State fans would like it. Um, and then Mello, number seven, again, Kyle has arm talent. He can't see the field. That is something I think you can work on with the quarterback. Uh, and I think that's why I'm not ready to just send Kyle out to pasture is because you can spend time working with the quarterback on those situations and seeing the field better guys tend to get better at that throughout their career. Um, so whether or not that happens this off season is the question that will need to be answered. Whether Ryan day believes that Kyle can 
develop enough in that situation uh, or in that area to be the quarterback that Ohio State needs. But if it were arm talent, I would be more concerned. It's not that. He has the talent. He can make great throws. Now you have to get him to be making those great throws consistently. And whether he does it or not, we'll see. Um, I know people were, were asking about Cam. I think it's Cam Ward. The uh, I saw his name pop up in there. Mellon number seven said he keeps seeing Justin Fields comparisons. Is he really like that? I've not watched a ton of him, so I, I don't want to fully evaluate him, but I don't see that. His numbers were barely better than McCord's this year as a passer. He didn't run very much. I think he had like 127 rushing yards. Um, he's definitely not Justin Fields. Definitely not that. Uh, you know, he'd be a more mobile guy, but, you know, if, if at, by your fifth year, you're still putting up a fifth year as a start, well, fourth year as a starter, you're still putting up uh, numbers that, the guy that you're trying to replace as a first-year starter. I don't know if you need that. Um, look, I don't think Ohio State's going to the transfer portal for a quarterback unless it's an elite guy that changes the program immediately because you're losing multiple guys. Uh, Rick S. said he'd hire Jim Leonard and have him run a 5-2 defense. That defense can beat Michigan. Here's your problem. You, you know, Ohio State for so long was able to just beat Michigan – and then you were trying to beat the SEC, right? And obviously, you haven't beat Michigan in the last three seasons, so you haven't – well, you did one year, have a chance at the SEC. But Ohio State is built to play with the best teams in the country outside of the Big Ten. And we saw that last year against Georgia, where Ohio State went toe-to-toe and, and you know, arguably should have won that game if a couple things go differently. Do you flip that? And, you know, hire a Jim Leonard, for instance, who's going to play a defense that may not work as well when you get into the college football playoff, the expanded college football playoff these next few years. Or do you stick with a guy who we don't know what it would look like this year with this defense, but I think it would certainly be better than it was against Georgia a year ago in Jim Knowles. Again, I like Jim Leonard as as a defensive coordinator, and I think he's, you know, a good one, but I don't think you – with especially with the expanded playoff, I'm not sure you can just go to a guy to beat Michigan when you know you a you've got to get there, and Ohio State has some pretty challenging games coming up down the road on their future schedules. You've got to get there undefeated or at least in a spot to get into the playoff, which will be easier. And then once you get in the playoff, you want to win. And so you know, I think Ryan Day believes Knowles gives him the best chance to win. Uh, the big brother, our, our Michigan guy, Manchester is blue as well. I don't like that. Uh, if you don't know, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we we have a lot that we could talk about. Um, here's, here's another one. Gary Gist, will Justin Fry be back next year? Good question. Um, I think, you know, could there be possible head coaching opportunities, offensive – coordinator opportunities for him. I don't know that. Should he be back next year? I think he did a decent job developing these offensive linemen, but I think if you're Ohio state, you expect a lot better. And uh, you know, that's kind of the truth of it. So, you know, that's something we'll see, um, you know, going forward, but we didn't talk about the offensive line. That's something we'll talk about all off season. You want to talk about transfer portal. Offensive line. I think that's where the Buckeyes need to hit, hit hard. Um, you got to replace probably Donovan Jackson, definitely Matthew Jones. 
I don't think either tackle was good enough to say that they definitely need to be starting again next year. You know, Carson Hinsman, I expect to improve first year really playing college football, but I'm not sure, uh, you know, if the center's out there that makes you a lot better, you know, I think you, you, you have to, you have to do that, but we'll play time to talk transfer portal. We may even do a whole podcast on transfer portal at some point here. Once it opens, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Bucknuts happy hour. Thanks for Timmy Hall for giving us about 45 minutes of his time. Um, don't have a beer today, but we'll finish off with the, the water chug here. Cheers, everybody. Uh, you know, I hope this at least helped try and uh, think through some of the things. I don't know if I said everything you wanted to hear, but yeah, we've got we got to face the facts here with Ohio State. We'll see what happens on this weekend with conference championships, and you know, maybe they backdoor their way in again and get another shot. But we won't know that until at, at the end of the weekend when the rankings come out on Sunday. Till then, Buckeye fans. Cheers. wonderful time of the year fantasy baseball draft season is upon us which means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today part of the cbs sports podcast network join scott white chris towers and me frank sample six times per week throughout march sleepers breakouts busts live mock drafts spring training updates and everything in between every monday through saturday make sure to download and follow on apple Podcasts, spotify the odyssey app and everywhere else podcasts are found